All right, good evening, church. Welcome back. We are in a study going through the book of Revelation together. We're going through the book of Revelation, which is basically a study all about the great revealing of Jesus. How, how extraordinary, how great he is. And we started off the book by looking at Jesus as he is now. This fire-eyed, glowing Jesus with awesome power and, and brilliance, uh, glorified Jesus, not... not, um, not contained or humbled Jesus of the Gospels. He doesn't sleep in the boat anymore. He, he rocks the boat, right? He rocks the boats of our lives. Anyways, oh, we're, we're going to be talking about today in our study of Revelation, the time when suffering and waiting are done. Doesn't sound like a great day. The day when, when, when waiting is done. Now, if you're, you're a human being, you've experienced the agony of waiting in some ways or another. Maybe, maybe if you're a kid and, and it's, Christmas, it's Christmas time and you're, you, you, you see the gifts and you're just going to, ah, you're in agony. You want to know what's under the, under the tree and, and you're, you're all excited about that. Maybe um, if you're an adult... And you're, you're thinking, oh, there's gifts under the tree. <laughs> I want to, I want Christmas agony. Now, that's not true with my wife. She just knows. Uh, but, but, but for all the rest of us, we're, we're excited about what's, what's under the tree. Or, or maybe you've been hungry before. Um, I'm talking about like first world hunger issues. You know, like the food is cooking and, and you're like, oh, I'm so hungry. And you get grouchy because it's going to be like another th three minutes or five minutes. And, and, and you're, and you're, you're there and you're, you're waiting and, and you're not enjoying the waiting. But, oh man, finally the food comes and, and, and you're happy happy and you're excited. I, I know that many of you are joining with me in this 40 days of prayer and, and we're, we're going through and we're praying for God to intervene and for him to, to, um, to either answer a, a prayer in some way or, or to intervene. Maybe you're praying that God will fulfill a promise that, that he's made um, and, and whatever your prayer is and you're praying and maybe you've not seen that answer yet. I mean, it's been 33 days or so. I, I think that maybe some of you have seen answers to prayer and you're, you're ready to praise God. You're ready to, to dunk some rock out into the prayer cairn, the prayer cairn. Uh, we got this little thing outside for answered prayers. You just put in a rock, there's rocks out there. We don't even make you pay for a rock. I mean, just, just put the rock in the cairn. Uh, praising God for that answered request. Um, but for, if, if you're a bit like me, you're still waiting and you're still like, oh God, please fulfill this promise or please answer this, this prayer. Oftentimes we find ourselves in this less than wonderful place uh, called waiting. Abraham. Abraham, for instance, uh, Abraham was living in this land called Canaan. God had sent him there. It's hundreds of miles, maybe about 500 miles from, from where he was born. And, and he's there and he's a stranger. Uh, he, he, he has no extended family. He's got his nephew, and, 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 but basically he has no extended family there. And, and so he's living as a foreigner, as a stranger in this land, always not fitting, always a little bit worried and nervous. And, and yet God speaks to him about his future or his family's future. And basically, God says, this, this land that you're living in, th this is going to be your family's land someday. This is going to be your family. You won't be a stranger anymore. This will be your family's land. Now, he is also told that it's not going to be for um, a couple hundred years, uh, and, and that there's going to be several things that happen between here and then, including slavery. But still, he, Abraham receives this promise from God, and, and then he spends the, the rest of his life in the land between, in the land between waiting and receiving that promise and it being fulfilled. Yeah, he's going to spend all of his life waiting, but he knows that. 
But so, so often when it comes to, to life and, and God's promises, whether they're, they're, they're promises in the Bible or things that maybe God has spoken to you about, we live in between receiving a promise from God and its fulfillment. It's fulfillment. I know most of you are reading um, in First Corinthians. Is it first and second or is it just first? I read the, It's a break this week. Dude, I'm ahead. I'm winning. Slang. Slang life. Uh, slang read through. So anyways, when, you're, when you get there, you're going to be reading First and Second Corinthians, and, and you're going to be reading about God's promises to, to you and, and, and enjoy them. I lost my bookmark. I need to get one. Anybody else need a bookmark? They're over here. Uh, Anyways, we can read about God's promises to you and, 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 and find yourself living in the land between maybe what God has spoken about you and what, what he's going to bring about. Um, living in this in-between place between promises spoken and promises fulfilled can be anguish oftentimes. There's a sense of like, God, I eagerly want what you've promised. I, I want to experience what you have spoken uh, over me. And, and, in the, and, and when we live in this land, we, we pray very biblical prayers. Like, how long, O oh Lord? How long until you're going to do what you've said you're going to do? Um, God, God, delay no longer. Uh, I'm thinking of Daniel. Like, Lord, act. Lord, Lord hear. Lord, act. Lord, intervene. These very biblical prayers, God, do now what you've said what you were going to do. Proverbs chapter 13, it captures it pretty well. It says, hope delayed makes the heart sick. I know what that's like. I bet, I bet some of you know what that's like. But just in that waiting period, that, that delayed, your, what you're hoping for, delayed. Hope delayed makes the heart, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, we've already seen glimpses of this in our study of Revelation. When, when we got to the fifth seal, when the, Jesus was, take the, took the scroll and he was breaking the seals, and he got to the fifth seal, we saw the martyrs under the throne, uh, under the um, altar of God, and they, they're crying out, how long, O Lord? It says, how long until, until you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? Like they're, they're wanting to know, God, when are you going to do what you said you were going to do and bring justice to us, your people? How long? And again, that's, that's the same question that so many of us feel in, in, in life. God, how long until you are going to fulfill for me, for, for us, for humanity, what you've said you're going to do? Now, I, I say God has given me very specific promises connected to my life that I'm waiting for to be fulfilled personally and, 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 and all through the pages of the Bible. And, and he's given promises to all of humanity of what is going to happen. If you believe in Jesus, there's many promises uh, on your life now. Biblical promises uh, that, that we, can, we can hold on to. And we can anticipate that joy. The, the joy when God's good promises are fulfilled. When they're finally and fully fulfilled. Like, like Moses, right? So Moses, God tells him that he is going to lead God's people out of slavery in Egypt. Out of the land of Egypt and out of slavery. Okay? Does that make you happy? <laughs> I, I love that. It, it, it makes you so happy. Son, I'm proud of you. Okay. So, um, so, we're, so he, Moses is there and, and, and he goes and yet he has a really rough time. Right? He, he, he goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh isn't really excited about this idea. And, and so there's some back and forth. And, and at one point, Pharaoh's like, if I see your face again, you are dead. 
you were going to be a dead man. And I was like, okay, but one thing as I'm leaving here, and, and, and he says, it's it, very tense. Even with his own people, it gets tense. I mean, first he comes back, I'm, I'm going to lead you out of, God sent me here to lead you out of slavery, and they're like, yay, and then they have to come up with their own straw, and they're like, eh, and, and they, they get angry, and, and, and they get uh, contentious there with Moses, and then there's plagues, and, th and that first plague didn't do it, and then second plague, and then third plague, and then fourth plague, and there's ten, and he gets to the tenth plague, and finally there's this there's this leaving, and, and God's people are leaving and, and going out, but that's not it. They, they still haven't experienced the fulfillment of the, the promise of, of being freed from slavery because Pharaoh and his army comes chasing after them. And, and they, they find themselves up against the sea, and, and Pharaoh's army is, is right there, and, and God intervenes in that moment. And there's an, a wind, and, and then the, the, the sea is pulled back, and, and God's people are able to walk on dry ground, and then Pharaoh's army chases them through the sea, and then the sea covers them over, and, and they, all, they all drowned. And it's not until that moment do they experience the fulfillment of the promise connected to delivery from, from slavery in Egypt, from getting out of Egypt and being rescued. There's other promises that they have, such as the promised land, and all that, but they finally at that moment receive, and what do they do when they receive that fulfillment of that promise? They worship. Moses writes a song, and, and, and he writes a song of, of celebration for how amazing God is for, for being true to his, his promises. They've been waiting on freedom, and now, now they find victory. Now, the Exodus story is a, is a small, is a big example, I guess, but what we're looking at today in the book of Revelation is the ultimate example of this. The ultimate example when God intervenes and when his justice and goodness and power and judgment finally come and all the waiting gets over and all the promises of God become finally fulfilled. And then worship begins. And then worship begins. Okay, so if you're new here or visiting... We're, we're, we're quite a bit through, yeah, we're, we're about three quarters, I don't think that's exactly right, I'm not good with math, two thirds, again, not good with math, through, through the book of, of Revelation, and, and thus far we've seen God pour out his uh, judgments and goodness and justice in two cycles already. We saw him break, take the scroll, Jesus, take the scroll and open the seals. And so these seven seals uh, being poured out. Now though, that justice and that, that, um, that wrath of God being poured out was limited. There was limits, you know, maybe a third of the people or a quarter of the, this. Or, they were limited. They were limited. They were powerful but limited. We also saw the trumpets. And, and the trumpets were, were, were blasted and, and different judgments of God, again, limited judgments of God were, were poured out. And again, whilst this is happening, as I said before, the martyrs are calling out, God, how long? That's during the fifth seal. How long? How long until you're going to bring your justice, your full justice? Today, as we turn to the, the last of the cycles, the seven bowls, the seven bowls, this is it. This is it. The goodness the justice, the, the, the judgment of God is being poured out during these seven bowls, this time without limit, without limit, and it brings about the end. When we get to the end of this today, all the earthly judgment of God to people who refuse to worship him is, is done. This is the end of it. This is the end of it. And then it's just standing before God. Anyways, let's, let's, let's look at that. Well, 
I guess maybe what I do want to say is, you know when God, it takes a while for God to answer your prayers? It, uh, maybe you don't know. Maybe he answers them just like that. But for me, I know, I know what it's like to, for, to take a while for God to answer my prayers. When, when that happens and there's delay, we can start to doubt. We can start to doubt that, that he's ever going to do anything at all. Like, he, he doesn't seem to be doing anything, and especially if we don't see much movement towards answered prayer or, or towards God's promises being fulfilled. We can find ourselves starting to doubt, like, is it actually ever going to happen? And, and, and I, I, I'm not accusing any of us, but out there, there are some people who, when it comes to the return of Jesus, when it comes to the, the final judgment and justice of God, they kind of doubt that it's going to happen. Or they hold it pretty loosely because, I mean, hey, it's been a couple thousand years and it hasn't happened yet. And so the delay brings about some, some doubt. As we look at this today, I want to remind you that every promise of God, let me clarify, every, every promise of God will come to pass. There is not one single promise that God has made to you and he's spoken to you and things that he has written in his word that will not be. He's made every promise. Every promise that he's made will come to pass. So don't get lulled to sleep just because it's been a while. It's been, it's been, a, it's been a couple years. Don't get discouraged by the long waiting. Keep believing. Keep hoping. Keep expecting. I guess I wish I had time to talk about how to wait well. I've been practicing this a little bit. I'm not very good at it. But how to wait well for God's promises to be fulfilled. And I guess maybe what I, I will say about that is it would be worthless for, for a farmer to, to, to be angry in July that it's not September harvest. It would be worthless. I mean, it wasted anger and rage in July that, it, that it's not September harvest. Every harvest has its right time. Every promise has its right time. Now, I'm just going to preach to myself here. Uh, maybe plug your ears. Don't waste your life frustrated if it's not promise time yet to be fulfilled if it's not harvest time yet harvest time is harvest time promise fulfilled time is promised fulfilled time don't waste your life brian being so frustrated that it's not promised fulfilled time yet keep believing keep praying keep trusting and by the way trusting feels like peace on the inside trusting feels like peace on the inside. Okay, you can unplug your ears. I'm done preaching to myself. So the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation, uh, written to give hope to God's people, people who are suffering and waiting. And just like Abraham, that generation has not lived to see this all fulfilled. They lived in between God's promises and its fulfillment. But that final day is coming, the day where Jesus harvests the earth, uh, where God's wrath is rightly poured out on all those who just downright refuse to worship him. Let's read it. If you have your Bibles, I'm in chapter 14. I'm picking up in verse, verse 14, um, which is... It is what it is. Uh, and uh, I'm going to start reading here. Words are going to be on the screen. 
Then I looked, this is John, John the writer, and there was a white cloud, and one like the Son of Man, Jesus, this is Jesus, was seated on the cloud with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in, in his hand. Not a popsicle, a sickle, a harvesting. Um, another angel came out of the temple, crying out in a loud voice to the one who was seated on the cloud, use your sickle and reap, for the time to reap has come since the harvest of the earth is ripe. So the one seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the earth was harvested. Then another angel who also had a sharp sickle came out of the temple in heaven. Yet another, uh, yet another angel who had authority over fire came from the altar. <laughs> I love that, that that's, that's a cool, uh, I'm the angel with authority over fire. Yeah, that's, that's cool had authority over fire, came from the altar, and he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle. Use your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the vineyard of the earth, because its grapes have ripened. So the angel swung his sickle at the earth and gathered the grapes from the vineyard of the earth, and he threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. Then the press was trampled outside the city, and the blood flowed out of the press up to the horse's bridles for about 180 miles. It's a little bit grotesque. <clears throat> Isaiah writes about this. Uh, actually, this, this, this moment gets written about all through the Bible. Jesus talks about it uh, as well. You know, there's 83, 83 chapters. Okay, is that even right? It's 80-something chapters. I think it's 83. 83 chapters in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 83 chapters. 83. You know there's 150 chapters that are about the end times? That are about, about the end? That, that, that's, that's quite a bit more than even just what we read about Jesus and, and his, life, his life on earth. Jesus talks a lot about the end times. And, and in, like, even in parables, even in, in parables just like this, in chapter 13 of Matthew, he writes about the harvest. And, 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 he, and he writes about how the, this planter go, uh, sower goes out and he sows some seed and, and the wheat's growing up and then the enemy comes along and sows some weeds. And, and, and his instructions are to let them all grow together until harvest. And then they're going to harvest the wheat and the weeds together and separate them. And separate them. This imagery of what God is going to do at the end of the age has been running all through the Bible. This, this sense of, of, of what's going to happen when, when harvest comes. There is going to be a reward for God's believers. And there is going to be um, torment for, for, those, for the unbelievers. We, ha we, live, we have always lived in the time between pr promise and fulfillment. It's actually going to happen. And I understand it's been a long time, but keep this in your mind. It's actually going to happen. Okay, so anyway, so the whole earth is going to be harvested, as we see here in Revelation. The unbelievers are going to experience the justice of God uh, of an, and his wrath. And I think this imagery here is a summary a bit of what the next couple chapters are talking about. So, so let's just keep reading. It says this in chapter 15, verse 1. Then I saw another great and awe-inspiring sign in heaven. Seven angels with the seven last plagues, for with them God's wrath will be completed. Now, that's, that's, that's what I said. This is the end. After these plagues, which are going to remind us a lot about Egypt, a lot about the Exodus, 
this is going to be, be, be the end. There, the, the, there's going to be no more earthly judgments after these seven plagues. It's going to be done. It's going to be done forever. And then after that, we will stand before God and give an account of our lives, believers and unbelievers. We're going to give an account of our lives. Okay, so, um, so then I so said, the last seven plagues, for with them the wrath, God's wrath will be completed. I also saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire. And those who had won the victory over the beast, its image, and the number of its name, were standing on the sea of glass with harps from God. They sang the song of God's servant Moses and the song of the Lamb. Great and awe-inspiring are your works, Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship before you because your righteous acts have been revealed. And I love it that this is both the song of Moses and the Lamb. I, I, I talked about the, the context for the song of Moses coming through the, the, the Red Sea and, and being delivered from slavery. And he writes this song. Well, it's apparently the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. It's great victory. And then as we've been talking about through the whole series here in, in Revelation, the aim of what Jesus is trying to bring about at the end here is that every creature in heaven and on earth under the earth, in the sea, and everything is in him, um, glorify, worship, praising God the Father. That's where he's aiming for. We saw that in chapter 5, okay? And now, here, as, as, as God's justice is being poured out, it says, all the nations will come and worship before you. It's, it's, it's arriving at this destination that we're, we're aiming towards. All the creatures, all the nations will come and, 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 and worship you. Because you are right, because you are good, because you are pure, you're, you're the only holy ones, and your, your righteous acts, your, your, per, your perfectly done acts have been revealed. Verse 5, after this, after this I looked, and in the, in the heavenly temple, the tabernacle of the, te- uh, of the testimony, this is what the earthly one was modeled after, uh, this is the real one, the one in heaven, was opened. Out of the temple came seven angels with the seven plagues dressed in pure bright linen with golden sashes wrapped around their chests. One of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Then the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Again, so much Exodus imagery here. They, they built the tabernacle. This also happened when they built the temple. When they built the tabernacle, it was filled with this cloud and, and the glory of God was so powerful that the priests couldn't do their priestly work in the temple. Now this is the, that's, that's kind of, a, you know, that's, that was a foreshadowing of this moment, this, this ultimate moment in heaven at the end, where all, even in the, the temple of God in heaven, his glory is so manifest that the four living creatures aren't there doing their thing, that, that, the, that the angels are, 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 that are, are, aren't able to do their thing, because in the, God's presence is being manifested in a way that hasn't been done before, and just in this powerful, powerful way. That's so, wow. 
Okay, but that's setting up these plagues, these plagues to, to pour out on the earth again. Uh, so much, most of them are, are from are, are what we've seen also in Exodus. This is what we read. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first went and poured out his bowl on the earth and severely painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshiped its image. Okay, like the plague of boils or, or something like that in the Exodus. The second poured out his bowl into the sea. It turned to blood like that of a dead person and all life in the sea died. Again, blood like, like, like in the plague there in Exodus. The third poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, you are just the holy one who is and who was, because you have passed judgment on these things. Because they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets, you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. And I heard the altar say, yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Again, there's this, this celebration of just how right God's judgments are. <laughs> they they poured out the blood of, of your people and now you're making them drink blood oh that is so perfect gross but perfect god it's it's so perfect what you're doing and and then there's worship taking place when god's justice and and wrath are being poured out there's no place to say god isn't being fair no 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 it's stunning in its brilliance it's perfect in, in its perfection and that's what's being celebrated here. Now, if that seems a little bit hard to, hard to process, how can it be so gruesome and yet be so worshipped as so right and good? Um, well, I, maybe, maybe this will help. Maybe not. I remember uh, when my parents were getting divorced. Circle up. It's happy story time with Pastor Brian. Uh, I remember when my parents were getting divorced, uh, the divorce wasn't simple, and, and they couldn't settle out of court. In fact, they tried for a couple years to kind of to, to, to get this settled out of court, but they, they couldn't. And so it went to trial, and, and, and it took a week. It took a week to, to wade through everything. And I went to the, the courts uh, every week and just kind of sat in the back and, and watched this unfold. Not, not the best week of my life. And so, I, but it was complicated. And I remember, like, most of the complication was connected to how to be fair, how to divide things fairly and, and rightly. And, 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 and they spent years working on this. But now, you're, on, now you're, at, you're at trial, right? And so whatever the judge says, no matter how you feel about it, whether you feel if it's good or fair or right or anything like that, whatever he says is what it's going to be. This is just it. The judge is going to make the decision, and that's, and that's that. And I remember going home, and I, I, so I'd listen to the testimonies. I'd, I'd listen to all the facts and stuff oh, for, for the first day or whatever, and, and I'd go home at night, and I'd be like, I just don't even know. Like, how, how, this is a mess. There's just no way. There's just no way for this. And I'd go the, the next day, and, I, I, and the next day, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't ever figure out, like, how in the world is anything fair or good going to come out of, of, of the dividing? There's just there's no way to do it. No wonder if they've spent years um, battling about this. And then it came to the last day. And I remember, so the judge gets up there and, and, he, and he has this verdict and this is, this is just what it's going to be. This is how it's going to unfold. And, and he reads it out. 
and he talks about how it's gonna how it's gonna be divided and it was brilliant it was brilliant I, I remember just sitting there in in awe uh, uh, that, that this judge was able to pronounce what just seemed like an amazingly... Now, I don't know what my dad thinks about this or my mom thinks about this. I don't know what they thought about it at the time or what they think about it now. Um, I'm not going to ask them. But, but, but at, the, at the moment, I'm just looking at this mess and then seeing a judge deliver a verdict that just screamed brilliant and fair. And it was an awful day. It was, it was so awful. I think I watched a Vin Diesel movie afterwards. It was awful. And, and, and yet there was, there was wow and wonder about the brilliance of the right judgment. And I, and I think that was, that's what, what's going on here in heaven. There, there is awfulness being poured out on the earth. And yet the judge is brilliant and, and is being admired for the perfection and rightness of his, of his activities. Wow, it's amazing. They got, spilled the blood of your people and now you're giving them blood to drink. This is awful, but it's perfect. This is the perfect justice, the most brilliant justice. And so God is worshiped even in these, in these difficult days. Let's keep reading. Uh, so the, the, fourth, the fourth one, uh, the fourth poured out his bowl on the sun. It was allowed to scorch people with fire. And the people were scorched by the intense heat. So they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. Okay, this one isn't in the Exodus. It's kind of the opposite. There was darkness in the Exodus. This is like scorching sun heat. And again, are they responding? Are they repenting? I, I'm not seeing any of that. In fact, I, I've been paying attention for a few chapters here. Ha, has anybody seen people repenting recently? It, it, they're still alive, but I, people are just becoming so hard against God. and They're blaspheming God. Um, the, the, fifth, the fifth poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues because of their pain and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they did not repent of their works. Again, it's just so much like Egypt, darkness, adamant non-repentance. The sixth, chapter verse 12, uh, the sixth poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming from the dragon's mouth, from the beast's mouth, and from the mouth of the false prophet. For they are demonic spirits performing signs who travel to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for the battle on the great day of, the, of God, the Almighty. Jesus says, look, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who is alert and remains clothed so that he may not go around naked and, and people see his shame. So they assembled the kings at the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. Okay, so this is, this is God reeling them in, right? He's dried up the river, Euphrates, there's nothing blocking anymore. And now the enemy is like, it's time. And he sends out these, you know, like the, the, the dragon, the, the beast, and the false prophet. They send out these, these uh, demonic beings to go and gather all the nations. It is time. We've seen Jesus, uh, sorry, we've seen uh, the dragon lose um, when, when Jesus was born. We saw the dragon lose 
when he was thrown out of heaven, and now this is his final moment where he's, he, sees, he feels like the time is most perfect, and he's gathering the nations to come and, and, and be victorious. At least that's his hope. It doesn't work out that way, verse 17. So then the seventh poured out his bowl onto the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. It is done. Not the same words that Jesus says on the cross when he says it is finished. Uh, different words. Uh, when Jesus like, it is finished and it, 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 can, it forever continues to be finished. This is, a, like, this is just like, it's done. With this one, done. I know it sounds the same, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's a different word. There were flashes of lightning rumblings and peals of thunder and a severe earthquake occurred like no other since people have been on the earth so great was the quake the great city split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell babylon the great was remembered in god's presence he gave her the cup filled with the wine of his fierce anger we're going to look at this more in, in a little in a couple weeks every island fled and the mountains disappeared Enormous hailstones, each weighing about a hundred pounds, fell from the sky on people. And they blasphemed God for the plague of hail because that plague was extremely severe. Okay, that's the last one. That's the last, that's the last judgment of, on people on the earth. And the response that people have is just to blaspheme God, to be angry at God, to rage at God. And that's it. Now what's going to happen? Well, as we continue our study, and uh, we're, we're going to celebrate next week. Uh, I, I think we'll save the talk on Babylon, not for feast week. <laughs> we'll put it back for, for a week. We'll talk about Babylon. Uh, and what's, it, think of what we're talking about with Babylon is like a switching of a camera angle. Okay, we've looked at how it's going to, and now we're going to look at this, we're going to just look specifically at Babylon for a moment and, and its destruction, and it's all part of this. And then we're going to look at the day where, where everybody stands before God and, and gives account to their life. That's kind of where we're going with this. But for now, what I want to say is we're not here yet. Uh, there, there, hasn't been, uh, uh, there hasn't been all the mountains leveled and all the islands disappearing. Um, the people from U.S. are like, yeah, that's great. Uh, there hasn't been 100-pound hailstones crashing out of the sky, you know. Uh, that hasn't happened yet. We're, we're living between the promises of God and their future fulfillment. Now, there's been a lot of, you know, gruesome stuff here I, in, as we've been talking through the judgments of God. And, and, and then I threw in the whole divorce story. That was super fun. Uh, I want to end with maybe three encouragements. Three encouragements for today, and then we'll, <clears throat> we'll celebrate next week. But the three encouragements that I want to I end with is, is, first of all, in light of this, I encourage you to live with high expectations. I encourage you to live with high expectations that the day is going to come when God's just going to draw the line and say, it's time. And, and Jesus is going to step forward. He's going to take the scroll and he's going to start opening the seals. The trumpets are going to start playing. The bowls are going to start being poured out. Like, there is a, this day is coming. God has spoken about it. He's promised it's going to take place. His justice will be brilliantly poured out. That day is coming. 
don't categorize this as a, well, we'll see. Yeah, well, you know, well, if, if it happens, it happens. I mean, I, I know it's in the Bible, but it hasn't happened yet. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. It, it, this, this promise of God is talked about so much through the Bible that if you can't hold on to this one, how are you going to hold on to any of them? God speaks promises to, to you and about you and how he's made you and, 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 and what, he, what he wants for you. He speaks things o over your lives. If you can't hold on to the ones that are written about for like 150 chapters in the Bible, what, are, what can you hold on? So I, I encourage you, if you've kind of just kind of pushed it onto the shelf, no, 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 no. Have high expectations that this is going to come and, and hold on to this as a promise of God that you are going to anchor your life and that you're going to anchor your perspective on. That it'll guide how you live, how you pray how you hope. Secondly, kind of connected to this, um, my read on the end here, and, and, I, and I, I hinted about it uh, just a moment ago, it seems like the closer we get to the end, the way less open people are to repenting and actually turning to God. I mean, there's, there's a chance. They, have, they, they could. I just don't see it happening. Do you? When we're going through these, I see people blaspheming God. I see people angry at God. I don't see people turning to God to, 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 be, to be saved. I see them having hard hearts. And, and I don't know exactly when this shift takes place, but my read here at the end is that even though there's time to repent, people aren't really responding. But that's not true right now in our day. People are responding to the gospel right now. How, how, how long of a window is it until the hardening of hearts going towards the end? I have no idea. I, I can't even make it up. But I do know that today, today people are responding to the message of Jesus. The Bible says of our era, today is the day of salvation. And so I encourage you to, 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 to go out with the message that we have been entrusted with the hope of the world, and, and tell people about Jesus. Invite people to church. This is not the season to just kind of coast. This is the season where people are responding. In fact, when, when Kelly and I moved here uh, in 2003, and, and so people were less responsive then than they are now. It's like a door is opening where people are thinking about Jesus again, and they're, they're responding and giving their lives to Jesus. This is a moment. Take be speaking while the doors is, is more open. Thank you for all of you who fasted this, this last week and, and just praying for salvations. Uh, I, may God hear those prayers and act. And may those people that you've prayed for, may they, may they have their eyes opened and their hearts opened to see and believe and respond and give their lives to Jesus and be saved. May that be true. The third thing, the third encouragement is every promise over your life, every promise that Jesus has made over your life, your future, your, your hopes, your dreams, it will be true. Now, some of his promises are if-then promises, and you have to keep that into context. Sometimes, and you see a lot of this in the Bible, like he might speak to David or Solomon or Rehoboam or Asa or Jehoshaphat, or you get the point. Uh, I don't need to keep a lot of people. Uh, he'll give if-then promises. If you walk in, if you do this, then I will do this. 
Lots of God's promises are like that. But there are, there are certain promises of God that are just, I am going to do this for you. I, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to bring justice. I am going to forgive your sins. I, there's things that he's just going to do. Every promise that God has made is going to be true. So just keep trusting. Keep believing. Abraham is credited with righteousness because he believed what God said he was going to do for him. Even though he knew he was old, even though it seemed impossible from his end, humanly speaking, even though he's going to have to wait a couple decades for this promise to be fulfilled, he's credited for righteousness because God spoke a promise to him and he believed it. He believed it. Let's be like that. Don't let the waiting and, and the time and the delay steal your joy. Don't let it steal your joy in, in anticipating that, that future day when, when the promise that God has made is actually fulfilled to you, when it's happened. And until then, I, I just encourage you to seek to live peace-filled, to pursue that, to, to pursue joyful, faith-filled in anticipation, believing in the promises of God. They can help you endure days of waiting. The book of Revelation was to help people endure days of agony and waiting by fixing their eyes on the promises, by fixing their eyes on the certainty of what Jesus is going to accomplish. And I, I understand what it's, that it's hard to wait, and it can be, it can be not fun. But again, God God's wants us to be filled with hope and eager expectation. And so that's why I have this kind of quirky challenge for, for us today. Here's, here's the challenge. Write down... Anything you believe God's spoken over your life and celebrate in faith that future day when God does what he said he will do. Celebrate in future faith. This is not the worst challenge I've ever given you. This is one, if you don't do challenges, if that's kind of your thing, first of all, but this is a good one. Here's how I did this. So I don't know what my challenges are going to be until I write the message and I get to the end and I write the word challenge. Oh, here's one. So I wrote this challenge, and, and so this is what I did. I, I, I went in, and I, well, I had in my mind, okay, here's a promise of God that I'm, I, I'm wanting him to fulfill. I'm praying about it in the 40 days of prayer. Actually, I was praying about it in the 50 days of prayer a year and a half ago, and I've been praying about it in the fasts and all these kind of things throughout the last several years. I've been praying for this for a long time. And, and, and yet, it got spoken promises about this. And so I had this thing in my mind, and so what I did is I went into the kitchen, and I got some chocolate. Okay, now that's not very unusual. I do that quite a bit. I go and I, and I get chocolate. Uh, but, but this time I, I got it with this reason. And I, I came back with the chocolate in, into my office. And I sat down in front of my, my computer and, and, and I'm reminding myself, okay, this is the promise God's spoken over me. And so in faith, in a wee little celebration, I'm just going to savor this chocolate for a moment. Like a little celebration chocolate in faith, in advance. It's kind of practicing faith-filled anticipation for that day when I'm going to just be able to celebrate fully when, when, that, when that promise is finally fulfilled. This is a pretty good challenge, guys. I, I, I suggest, you know, grabbing onto a promise, thinking through some promises that God's said, and have a little faith-filled celebration moment between you and God. All right. May, may that day come swiftly when, when God's promises to me are fulfilled and when God's promises to all of us are fulfilled.